review, y'all. Jump. The rest of the film. Jump. With my boy, Todd Hastings. Todd Hastings open his bitch. And that new Dylan got broke. Dylan got. So what you got? You know what it is. Come on. Welcome to the Wrestle Review. I'm Dylan Gott, and the dummy you're about to hear talking is John Hastings. Hey, Dylan, go fuck yourself. That's right, everybody. I'm on cocaine because it's the mid '80s in the Whoa. WWF, baby. Oh, let's go to a steakhouse and treat a secretary like she's a toilet, eh? Ha <laughs> ha Yeah. They call that the fucking fuck. Fuck you. Fuck, fuck, let's wear a fucking sweater with mallards on it and talk to Dick Ebersol. I'm going to get someone to light my cigarettes, and I'm also going to have the weirdest balding hair in the world. Oh, yeah. I invite you to my office where hanging behind me is a picture of me fucking your mom. Yeah. Exactly your mom. I found out what your mom looked like, and I got an oil painting of her spreading it out so I could cover it in banana sauce. Dylan, when Dick Ebersole was finally fired from NBC, how many conference rooms were they able to make from his office? Six, uh, six of them. Ten. It was three, but that's it's still pretty insane that there were three full conference rooms. <laughs> That one man That's was sweet. using as an office. Dick Ebersol, uh, of course, took over Saturday Night Live during this time and basically became NBC's Mr. Fix-It for every single thing that was wrong with their... And also a lot of corporate synergy, such as having uh, Joe Piscopo come to WrestleMania 1 and be like, I liked it when the girls wrestled. That made me hard. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm Joe Piscopo. I am not aware that my fame is about to be diminished. Has anyone else realized that? Aha! Also, just everyone, go Google Club Piscopo. It was mocked way better than we can on the Opie and Anthony show about four years ago, but just Google the trailer to Club Piscopo, and it's literally watching... It's like if your weird uncle decided to put on a show and film it with all of the inheritance from his parents' death. That's what, that's what it feels like. It's weird because Joe Piscopo, I think, was also the first Saturday Night Live star of the show that didn't go on to be a movie star. That's not true. Jane Curtin never went on to be a movie star, star neither did Garrett Morris or Lorraine Newman. But they weren't the stars of the show. They absolutely were at the time. Like the not But they weren't like you know what I mean. Like the fucking like Chevy Chase movie star. Bill Murray movie star. Alright, I see what you mean. Belushi movie star. Garrett Morris is just good in TV shows, you know? Saturday Night Live, guys, you you see them in everything because you know they're just going to do a good job. Garrett Morris, by the way, um, was the reason why uh, they would not clean the SNL offices for five, four year, three or four years into the 80s because he used to just smoke crack and attack the maids. <laughs> Where'd you find that out? Was that in the Saturday Night Live book? Yes, it was. <laughs> You know how crazy you have to be that's very funny. that they put that in the book? And that's, I think, Dip, Dick Ebersole was saying that. Like, he was like, I was the executive producer, and I couldn't get those fucking women to clean our fucking offices because Garrett Morris was so crazy. And then Garrett Morris does not comment. Garrett Morris is just like, I, I guarantee he read that, and he was just like, yeah, man, I'm fucking cool. We were all cokeheads. Lay off. <laughs> Why tell one story about one person? Tell them all about everyone. Why don't we just talk about how John Belushi, if you like, if you remove the chuckling behind any story about him, it was basically like show business got an asshole to hang around in it for five years. Oh, John Belushi on the set of Blues Brothers. One time we couldn't find him and he just broke into someone's house and fell asleep. Ha 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 Fuck you, John Belushi. <laughs> We're all glad he's dead. Yeah. Every day I'm happy about it. <laughs> But we're talking about fucking another different type of asshole. The reason we're talking about Saturday Night Live is because there is allegations that Dick Ebersol and <laughs> Vince McMahon basically saw how the cool kids hung out, which would be Dick Ebersol and the people at Saturday Night Live, real celebrities, and thought, that's me now. That's how I am to people. We're talking about 1985 into 1986 after WrestleMania 1. Baby, the WWF is doing real good. They can't fucking fuck anything up. They are not selling to MTV. Dick Ebersol wants in to the business of the WWF. Primetime wrestling is back, baby. Saturday night's main event. Here's what I would say. A, it's not primetime. It's at 1130. Two, I think it's the opposite. I think Vince McMahon interprets it as 
oh, these cool kids want to be like me. I think it's them being like, oh, this guy needs to learn how to be like a cool New York in the 80s guy. Because you have to remember, like, New York 1985 is edgy and fucking crazy. You can buy a decapitated head in Times Square, all this sort of stuff. But it's also very classy and a lot of art is returning. And Vince is very profitable. Like, Vince is, like, no one can figure out how this fucking guy has made all of this money off of one event. And so he becomes a little bit like the fucking prettiest girl at the ball. He he essentially he essentially she's all that. Oh yeah, well it's a lot like that is now where it's like he's the guy that can still produce numbers when no one else can. Well, no, yes, exactly right. That's what the theory behind him is. It's proving that that's not that that's not true. And this was also proven post Attitude Era. He was having meetings with like major Hollywood studios was supposedly going to get consulting contracts, and then the XFL happened, and that ruined his legitimacy because they were basically like, this guy is the only guy that can guarantee you high numbers in the 18 to 35 demo. And then they did the XFL, and Steve Austin turned uh, heel, and they their numbers evaporated overnight, and they were like, oh, nope, it was a fad. Sorry, Vince. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> and that's not what happens in the 80s. In the 80s, it's a much more slow gradual controlled sort of like it's not a rise yeah it rise and then fall like it rises really fast and falls very slowly and so he makes an alliance dick eversall sees the the potential in the wwf goes to vince mcmahon and is like hey i'll show you how to live if you give me money and vince says ha 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 i want to live as you um, so him and Dick Ebersol become friends. I don't know how these two monsters of ego could be. I assume it's just them telling stories about themselves to each other at the same time. <laughs> Not a hundred percent sure that the other one is because a major problem in NBC at this point was the declining ratings of Saturday Night Live, and they originally solved that by signing a lot of really, really high-budget people, such as getting actual people who are movie stars and television stars already to be on the cast of Saturday Night Live, like the most annoying man in the world, Billy Crystal. So, But a solution to that problem was super cheap wrestling, which is you put wrestling on, they pay for everything. We don't have to pay shit. We don't have to pay a studio fee. They pay for everything, and we get better ratings than Saturday Night Live sometimes. So it was for sure used as a budgeting tool against people on Saturday Night Live. This is how good Vince is doing, is that he predicts a dip after WrestleMania because of the heavy promotion. It happens, and he doesn't panic. As opposed to now, when they are in absolute freefall because of a variety of external factors and bad press, and he does crazy cost-cutting measures he doesn't need to do because he's panicking. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that he, uh, sorry, Ebersol created Saturday Night Live with uh, Lauren Michaels. Didn't Lauren Michaels leave during this time? Yeah, Lauren Michaels is not there. Dick Ebersol was essentially, he was the suit that ushered Saturday Night Live along into being created. And then when Lauren Michaels left, he was brought in to be the overall, the overarching producer from 1981 to 1986. Um, so this is at the end of his tenure. He's suffering burnout. Now, the, what's interesting is, this is just a pause and just a fun fact, Dick Ebersol is incredibly resented by Lauren Michaels for a couple of reasons. One, Lauren Michaels doesn't like the idea that people think that, that Dick Ebersol can prove that he helped create that show in that he was the one that was like, we'll do this variety hour, it'll appeal to those weed-smoking kids you don't like, and then I get to fuck their women with my dick that looks like a rugby ball. <laughs> um, he also is the, he is also responsible for the highest rate, the most profitable stars that ever came out of Saturday Night Live, which are uh, Eddie Murphy, Martin Short, Billy Crystal, Christopher Guest, were all his picks. The last three were all established stars, so it doesn't really count. He also did things like he put wrestling on in the time slot, which Lauren Michaels is like, that's not what that time slot is for. But it led to bigger ratings because an audience that wasn't, it's actually incredibly smart. An audience that didn't give a fuck about Saturday Night Live would tune in to be like, is this the day that Saturday Night's main event is on? Oh, no. Okay, well, I'll watch this anyway. And conversely, people are like turning into Saturday Night Live and then seeing wrestling. Not all of them would watch, but someone will be like, fuck it. Let's see what George the Animal Steel's doing. Who's that woman in the corner? Ooh, she's got breasts. 
<laughs> well, she. it's also a big, fun, silly hour to hour and a half of dumb shit for people to watch. And Saturday Night Live has basically had the same formula since uh, 1975. And so is wrestling, so people kind of know what they're getting. Do you know what I mean? You need a break from Saturday Night Live where it's like every single week you watch the same thing. If you have a couple weeks off, then you can trick the people into thinking they're watching something different. When they're not, a waiter is going to be zany. And let me tell you this, the customers are going to be up in arms about it. (laughs) Hey, I know what you're thinking. The sketch is going to be slightly too long and not have an ending. Yeah. (laughs) We have nine ideas spread out over 20 sketches, and each sketch is 30 minutes long. Hello, welcome to Chateau Shit. Here's your shit soup. I don't want to eat shit. Fuck you. Three, <laughs> three of the cast members of Saturday Night Live's personality is noticeable through the characters, and you don't want to be friends with them. Um, <laughs> it's imagine how, honestly, I imagine how Vince... It's I'm sure all, every old version of show business is, where it's like, Vince McMahon is this way, I'm assuming Lauren Michaels is this, is this way, where it's like, no, this is how we do it here. It's been successful for over 30 years, shut up and do it, when in reality it should be amended to... This is how we do it here. It was successful for 10 years, and people just want to watch it because it's a thing they watch for the last 20. Yeah, no. And this is exactly the time where it's established. So Dick Ebersole, because, for example, Vince McMahon listens to Dick Ebersole because Dick Ebersole basically comes in and goes, your MTV shows look like shit. WrestleMania looked primitive. Yeah. This is what you need. You need to establish production quality on your shows. And Vince McMahon listens to every fucking word. Well, this is the thing is he's has to listen to him because he's like, we're NBC, MTV fucked you over, so we're the person you're we're the people that you can get right now. Here's how you have to run your show. And Vince goes, okay, absolutely, because he know you can say a lot of things about Vince McMahon, but he he plays along when he knows he has to. So he plays along and then he watches how Ebersol produces the show. And you can watch Saturday Night Main Event, the first one, and you can watch the first WrestleMania and see the just the huge difference in how it's shot and everything. So McMahon t- writes down everything that Ebersol does. And for and Ebersol is jealous of McMahon because the wrestlers will do anything. Like, wow, those guys do cocaine and still do what they're asked to and he's like yeah don't yours and he goes i know they don't but what's also interesting is that this is also when this is again the bloom is also not off the roads for the wrestlers all the wrestlers have come from and it's such an advantage to vince which i guarantee he's aware of and is probably pissed off that he doesn't have which is all the wrestlers came from the territories and were treated way worse by somehow bigger assholes than him because this is the high dirge of dicks being in charge of fucking territories. You've got... Well, make no mistake. This is the first time that, like, George the Animal Steel is seeing catering. Barry Windham is seeing catering. Like, these guys are coming in with fucking ham sandwiches just in their pants that have been crushed because they were driving there fast. And they're like, what the hell is this? And they're like, it's a selection of melons. You rube. Yeah, like, this is the first time... Like, bear in mind the, like, Crockett, because of a lawsuit... Uh, that's within a few years of this time period, Jim Crockett had to explain how he paid the talent. And it literally took like two forensic accountants to be like, essentially you, f- like you financially hobble them. Suck every them off. Yeah, you hobble them every night and keep an un- incredibly large percentage of the money, which we can't even determine because we don't believe you've told us all of your revenue streams. While Vince was, Vince still fucked everyone. He just didn't fuck them as badly. Well, he had more money, so it's like, you can percentage-wise fuck them over more than Jim Crockett, but if I make $10 and Vince makes 1000 then obviously if I give you 1%, you know, I give you 10% of $10, I've given you a dollar, and I give you, like, uh, 3% of 1000 that's more money. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's how... You make more money, you're going to pay better. Yes, and Vince also does things like he makes actual licenses. He This is where he gets in, really ramps up merchandise. Really, ramps This is up. when it becomes the WWF because he gets licenses for, this is why Slaughter, obviously Slaughter left before this? Yes. Yeah, Sla- Slaughter left in, t- in anticipation of this. Yeah. Because uh, Slaughter had a uh, deal with G.I. Joe because he was a real D- D- G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. He, they, and Vince was like, no, I get that money for some reason. And he was like, the fuck you do and he left yeah he uh 
this is the weird thing is because Slaughter becomes a huge sensation, and this is where you really understand how powerful Vince McMahon is, is because he becomes an overnight sensation, essentially. One of those 10 years overnight sensations because of G.I. Joe. He's actually in G.I. Joe, the biggest fucking toy company in the world, and Vince still goes, fuck it. We're fucking, uh, we're, we're gonna fucking cut him, and that was in August of 85. Yeah. Like, right as a Mania 1 has just happened, he's probably the second biggest star in the company and they're like fuck it get the fuck out of here and it doesn't affect the business at all like that is a that must have made vince's dick actually grow like he had a six inch dick and then it went to seven like he actually got not even like soft it's just got bigger this is how happy that day was vince asked linda about her day Vince took her to a meal, and he at no point rolled up the windows because he cut ass. (laughs) No farts with the windows up. Nothing. (laughs) He spoke to both of his children. Shane, how was your day? (laughs) So we talked about, of course, we'll we'll get more into the licensing stuff because that's fucking boring, but this is the... This is the seeds the plan in for the next 24 goddamn fu- 25 fucking years. No, I'm wrong. 15 years of wrestling, which is he gets on Ted Turner's TBS. Ted Turner does not like the WWF product at all. Particularly, apparently, didn't like Hulk Hogan at all. What a harbinger Ted Turner was. This is the funny thing, because Ted Turner hated Hulk Hogan. So you're like, oh, must have been a good judge of character. He loved Bill Watts. I don't. Okay, let's talk. Oh, we're going to talk about Bill Watson in a second because I have a. There, I did some. I've been reading. I've been listening to Gary Hart's audiobook on this, and he has some very interesting insight into this period of time. Um, the other thing that it, I didn't know they were ten. I thought they were eleven. Oh wait, cut the part where I said the eleven <laughs> thing out. That's bad. Um, no, but before we get to that, uh, I don't believe anything about the Ted Turner Vince McMahon feud. I don't believe that Ted Turner gave a fuck. I believe that Ted Turner is legitimately managing a massive media empire while also being very good at sailing. He does not care about Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's crazy and has to be feuding with a... This is what Ted Turner said. We had an agreement. You went back on the agreement. Figure it out or I'm going to sue the shit out of you. Sell the contract to someone else. And Vince was like, we're feuding now because I'm a weird carnival man. And Ted Turner was probably like, I don't, what, wh- which show are you with? Oh, that? Yeah. I don't know bec- because here's here's what I'll say. I just listened to like this whole, uh, like a six part series on PayPal and eBay's feud. And the weirdest things make people flip out. Like the reason essentially that Elon Musk was the CEO of PayPal and there was a corporate takeover uh, where the entire board voted him out. And the reason why he was voted out, like the, f- the straw that broke the camel's back was he told them to reprogram uh, the PayPal website uh, in Windows and not Linux. And then that was when the nerds were like, fuck this fucking sport coat wearing piece of shit. I'll kill my own goddamn mom before I code something in Windows. So you never know what like people really care about. But that's different. That's Silicon Valley. That's not entrenched landed southern gentry. The don't like like Ted Turner, say what you want about Ted Turner. Everyone is like that man had a vision. That man was like was able to he always prioritized the right thing. Can I say what I want though? You go ahead. You told me I could say what I want. His wife had nice jugs. <laughs> Which wife, bud? Which fucking wife? <laughs> well, I'm talking insane Jane. <laughs> yeah, I'm, old Hanoi Jane. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I'd like to fuck her in a tank or whatever. Continue. <laughs> the spank tank. Do you think they have that in the army? That's the tank we all jack off in. You don't even need to get Kleenex. You just spurt all over that tank. <laughs> I mean, why? I don't know how to tell you this, but we got to use the spank tank in an actual mission. <laughs> Wash it down. No, no. Do not wash it down. Shoot the cum. <laughs> Gather the cum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, all the rookie, that's what all the new recruits get. They got to go fucking in the spank tank. <laughs> Why is it still? <laughs> I've been spunking in here for five years. That's disgusting. 
you're right. I mean, why I'm laughing so hard is A, it's very funny, but B, in my head, as soon as he said, you said the word tank, I was like, he's going to figure out that rhymes with spank. I know he is. <laughs> he is. And I got to tell you. Genius. Podcasting. You delivered hard. Both meanings. Oh, yeah. Both meanings. Nice. I mean that pussy metaphorically. Nice. Um, the other thing, I can't believe we're not going to transition into Bill Watts. So uh, Ted Turner does give, because he clearly Ted Turner's going, okay, this isn't working for the audience. All right, let's prepare something else to go on the content. He talks with Bill Watts. He talks with Jim Crockett. Uh, Jim Crockett ends up uh, selling the TV time to Vince McMahon because Jim Crockett's a smarter businessman and goes to Vince directly, and Bill Watts is a stupid piece of shit. Here's what Bill Watts does. Bill Watts is positioning himself to also go national. He is out of the NWA mm -hmm. Wrestling Alliance. At the same time, he is also, and this is fucking crazy, and Bill Watts can, as always, he is a racist piece of shit, but he's also a duplicitous fuck on top of that, which is he gets, he puts Ken Mantell in as Booker, of world-class championship wrestling. Ken Mantell spends two years convincing Fritz that he should leave the NWA. The only reason he does this is because if he leaves the NWA when Bill goes national, which he hasn't done yet, how the NWA would compete against him is they would dump all of their talent into Dallas, hotshot Dallas, destroy Bill Watts. So, okay, bear that in mind for a second. I'm bearing it. Bear, hard bear loads. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> Fritz goes independent from the NWA. Essentially, the minute he does that, Ken Mantell leaves with all of his top talent, takes them to Bill Watts' territory, that immediately declares themselves the UWF, and attempts to go national. How they attempt to go national is, without telling Ted Turner, he's like, oh, we're guaranteed this television time, right, from Vince McMahon, which Ted Turner never discussed with him. He gave him early Saturday morning uh, tele or Sunday morning television to see how it would go. Jim Crockett makes the deal with Vince McMahon for money. Bill Watts never talks about it with anyone. Ted, then, Ted Turner's like, all right, well, I work with Jim Crockett now. That's fine. Bill Watts is like, well, what the fuck? No, I wanted that. And essentially, Bill Watts says that Jimmy Crockett betrayed me. Ted Turner and Jim Crockett and everyone portrays it, which is, no, you had a deal to do the TV show you did. You assumed you could do it based on the ratings. I did the actual business deal, you weird cowboy Christian fucking abuser of women and soulless fuck. Fuck you. And then he was like, oh, okay, well... I destroyed I destroyed another man's company for no reason. That's good. All right, Jim Crockett, buy my company. And Jim Crockett's stupid and does. Yeah, and Jim Crockett ends up being the dumbest guy because he keeps on doing the Vince thing, which was just like spending money, spending money, spending money, trying to keep up with the Joneses, and then, of course, eventually collapses, YOLO. But make no mistake, this is where Vince McMahon... Anyway, yeah, so Vince McMahon... Encounters Ted Turner for the first time, decides, I hate Ted Turner. Ted Turner may hate him, or maybe like, who is that it's guy? That. Anyway. It's that. He doesn't know who, he doesn't give a fuck. He's too busy being a fucking gazillionaire. He's too busy be inventing the 24-hour news cycle and then sailing for no reason and then having sex with Jane Fonda and then doing it all over again. I still think it might have been, but whatever. Anyway, make so at least Vince McMahon doesn't like Ted Turner at this time. That is indisputable. So another important thing that happens, Coliseum videotapes. If you are old, then you remember Coliseum videotapes. Apparently, it was a porn company first, like mostly made porns. I looked up Coliseum video and only found information about the WWF tapes. I was really trying to find like Spunkers 8 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Spank Tank 1. Yeah. Hanoi Jane gets it in the jungle, wink. <laughs> Back when porno was just like, these people are having sex, and you worked real hard to find this tape, so no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Everyone's genitals looks like they have not been washed. That's the fun thing about porn back then, though. It was like, you were just lucky to find some, and now, now you have to work to not find porn. <laughs> then you had to work so hard to find porn. In the lockdown, I have been really enjoying, you know, 
the occasional mid '90s porn. I, I'm, I never used to enjoy the music and the bad acting. It now gets me right in the mood. <laughs> well, it's so much more fun than like this woman's alone. Let's fuck. Yeah, that's exactly. There's just none of this noise. And you're just like, oh, good. Yeah. Woman buys timeshare, gives me all her money. Then I fuck her <laughs> yeah. and throw her into a lava pit. I take all of. Yeah, she gives me her credit cards. I put them in my name. Now I have all her money. She has so much debt. Then we fuck. Yeah. Nice woman wants to find dog. She finds getting cream pie in the ass so hard that she's dead. <laughs> then I kill her dog. Welcome to Bang Dog. <laughs> brave man fucks dog. Yeah. That's most of the videos I thought. I put in brave man fucks dog. And when nothing comes back, I throw my computer out. <laughs> I'm looking for fucking heroes. <laughs> just, so Coliseum Video produced that tape. <laughs> the dog has a mouth. <laughs> so... Bloopers, bleeps, and body slams was... This literally bloopers, bleeps, and body slams was the first tape. I assume the bleeps was in there because it was like Coliseum Video would produce so much porn. It's like, they're going to want to see tits. Do you want us to blur out Hulk Hogan's nipples just so people think that that's a thing? Yeah, sure. The bleeps were actually just from a time they accidentally have the microphone on while Gene Okerlund was just talking about his weekend to classy Freddie Blassie. Ah, Gene, how was your weekend? <laughs> Well, Freddy, I uh, I know you have a penchant for the Asians, so let me put it this way. I found a hitchhiker and cut her eyelids until her eyes fell out like loosened plums. And I stamped on them so loud she could hear it, even though she was blind. And then I described it to her. Ha 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 ha! Time for me to show you the Polaroids, Freddy! Ah, no, Gene, <laughs> no, I don't want to see this! Ha 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 ha! I'll only stop if you swear we are filming this for some reason. <laughs> this is a blooper. Mm. Hello, Linda. I just want to let you know that you're and your daughter are under my protection. But if you bring or have any friends, they will be in my book of shadows. <laughs> so, all right, we should take a break now and uh, then come back. We'll be talking about Hulk Hogan on Sports Illustrated, uh, how he claims he people thought he was banging on Cindy Lauper. We will talk briefly about Stampede Wrestling and WrestleMania 2 and also Dylan sucking my butt. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Hey, Dylan, have you ever thought about giving us money because we fucking do a good fucking job for these fucking ungrateful fans? They're all pieces of shit. Every fucking week, we take time to research this show, then forget most of it and talk about who would like to come on. Yeah. And by, I think that deserves money. And by we, we mean a guy we've met a few times and he needs money because I keep promising to pay him. But then I say, no, haven't earned it. Why? <laughs> yeah. I spend the money on candy and hummus separately. I, I don't I don't dip the candy in hummus. That would be a Old taste. Snickers sensation. bar hummus. Hastings over here needs money. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. Or rate and subscribe on iTunes, or do both. And here's another one. Fucking shut the fuck up, buddy. Yeah. Right now, are you talking? Are you talking? Are you talking to me? Where are you listening on? Were you doing dishes? Turn, fucking turn, break all your dishes, you fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> shut your cock washer and use your fucking dick grabbers to give us some fucking money. All right. So the uh, let's just run through some of the various territories Vince is continuing to vanquish. The AWA... Still running strong at this period of time, but is essentially no match for the slick production of uh, the WWF. Um, they're trying their best. They're still sticking to their big markets and stuff like that, but they're really not recovering. And slowly this becomes the AWA's transition into the inadvertent uh, uh, NXT of the WWF, where basically in the next few years, yep. all of their big talent, the Midnight Rockers, Scott Hall... The Beverly Brothers come out of the fucking AWA, all slowly become uh, huge WWF stars, Sherry, uh, sensational Sherry Martel, all that sort of stuff slowly become, all come from the AWA. At the same time, uh, Vince also buys back Stampede Wrestling or sells back Stampede Wrestling. Quick story, Vince guarantees 
do a uh, hundred grand for ten years for Stampede Wrestling and gives Davy Boy, uh, Dynamite, and Bret Hart jobs as long as he doesn't promote. Uh, Bruce Hart then decides no because he wanted to go to the WWF, and he just starts um, promoting again under the Stampede name, basically costing his dad nine hundred thousand dollars and Stu Hart. Uh, feeling guilty for all the times that he made Bruce watch him shit in outside, not in a toilet. Hey, do you, do you watch it, watch me make a tail, Bruce. Um, <laughs> goes along with the whole thing for really no reason. And other fun, exciting things such as Terry Funk debuts with the company and leaves soon after because of uh, just not liking the road. I'm not sure if this was the time his excuse was I have to go see about my dead or my sick horse, but that's something that Vince McMahon asks Terry about every time he sees him. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage debuts, uh, along with a noted victim of a variety of abuse, uh, Miss Elizabeth. YOLO. If you listen to the Macho Man Randy Savage episode to hear all about that fun bidding war, uh, and Vince McMahon took control of the Cow Palace, which was a key AWA vi- uh, uh, venue at the time. Um, and um, the AWA was just getting in, going into smaller and smaller arenas. Uh, also, the Rosemount Horizon venue uh, rescinded Vern Gagne's exclusive booking rights deal for the WWF, uh, which is another major blow for the AWA that it essentially established, built, and created the Chicago wrestling market, which is one of the most vibrant and important wrestling towns even to this day. And if you don't believe me, just fuck it. Colt Cabana, noted fuck. Whoa. Yeah, fuck, you, fuck you, Dylan. Fuck off. Eat my shit. Death by a thousand cuts. 80, like all, all the previous episodes about the death of the territories have really outlined how Vince before WrestleMania one was really uh, strangling the territories slowly, basically taking them town by town with this army of all of their, this is the fun part, not Sometimes not their top performers, but enough of their regular performers that people would want to see them. Yeah. Like, not all the time would it be their top performers, but a lot of the top draws or former top draws. And you remember the territories were so were smart as to cycle people in and out every six months. So if you haven't seen the Junkyard Dog in Dallas in fucking three years, you're going to be fucking pumped to see the old JYD. And that's exactly what he did. For the love of God, and I hate that I have to correct you, he was more popular actually in Louisiana than Texas, so make that mistake again, and I'm going to have to put you in the spank tank post pre-clean. <laughs> they don't clean the spank tank, they just cakes in. Exactly, I'm going to put, I'm going to, you're going in when it's wet, baby, not when it's, when it's, when it's mostly just that weird sheen where it looks like someone just spilt a lot of icing sugar. <laughs> this is the first fun fun fact this is the first antitrust lawsuit filed against tyson sports and vince mcmahon jim crockett promotions not the last but the first november 1985 they tried to keep him out of the richmond coliseum and attempted to replace his local tv spot in the area that was alleged this was resolved by the uh the coliseum stepping in and booking some jim crockett promotion shows yolo 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 1986, January 4th, the fourth episode of Saturday Night's Main Event gets a 10.6 rating. Holy Good fucking, fucking Christ. That is 10% of the televisions that could watch that are watching that. So we also, uh, in November 7th, just before the fourth episode of the Saturday Night's Main Event, they have their first pay-per-view, which was the wrestling classic, Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper, and a tournament that was won by the JYD uh, via Countout, yeah. which they have gone on to say was the King of the Ring, but it's confusing as to whether or not that was the King of the Ring or they just had a tournament, which is very 1980s wrestling. Welcome, everyone, yeah. to this thing. We're having a tournament, and the winner is the winner. I don't know, probably. I'm Bob Cottle, and I have been asleep <laughs> since the fucking 70s. It's me here, Bob Cottle, and I'll be slowly talking about a man eating chips in the front row. Another chip, <laughs> another chip, another chip. I put my wife to sleep when I tell her anything. This is uh, Gordon's. I don't remember what water tastes like. I get my hydration from <laughs> from cigarettes. There's Gordon Soli here. I haven't had water in 16 years, and I'm here with my partner, Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, hey, how are you doing, Gordon? 
Oh, what a maneuver we got in the ring. I've gambled on whether you're going to die in the next year, so please don't have any water. Uh, Gorilla, if you could actually give me the odds on that, I... Uh I will, uh, I'll just fucking kill myself, because Lord knows I owe a lot of money to, uh, I don't know how you end up spending a hundred grand on booze, but, uh, I did it in one flight for Delta. I, uh... I don't know, I just placed a bet with some people that told me they were Vietnamese, (laughs) come to think of it. They weren't bookies at all, I think I just gave them some money. Oh well, do you want to gamble on whether or not... I'm going to punch you because I swear to God I have no one to take out this anger on. Um, so, yeah, so the wrestling classic happens. Uh, it is fucking booked very weird, but it is relatively su- uh, successful. It also, of course, has closed circuit locations. Boom, 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 boom. It's bigger and bigger and bigger, 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 bigger. By the opening of 1986, there were 160 stations um, syndicating the mm-hmm. WWF. Um, which, and it was 50 in fucking 1984. So in, in about two years, um, they, uh, they fucking become a powerhouse in syndicated television. Uh, so much so that Vince it's a phenomenon. It's, it, it goes, it goes, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, Hogan becomes, Hogan gets on the cover of sports illustrated, like even sports illustrated puts him on their cover and this is, of course, when everyone of like people still this is the height of people being snarky about wrestling and saying it's fake. Yeah. And he doesn't give a fuck. And that being a huge thing where it's like, you know, that shit's fake and everyone still likes it. He um, also then makes some big moves such as he gets uh, Blackjack lands at a defect from the AWA, which is, opens up him being able to get into Winnipeg and other portions of Canada. He fires George Scott. Which is something George Scott never really recovered from because George Scott then spent the rest of his career going to other territories and trying to book it like 1984 WWF and mm-hmm. hiring those guys, basically. Uh, Vince put himself in as the booker, but many saw it as actually being um, uh, a somewhat committee with Gorilla Monsoon, Blackjack Lanza, Chief J. Strongbow, and of course, Pat Patterson advising and making most of the decisions. So basically, it's one of those things where Vince is solidly in control, doesn't need any old school wrestling guys on paper, actually gets five really good old school wrestling guys to advise on everything, mainly Pat Patterson, and they they move forward on writing television. Well, you can't say that it's not smart to have a committee rather than just one guy. And he does get George Scott out of there at a very, very good time because he's basically three years away from just going cuckoo banana. George Scott? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then let's not forget Vince Mc or Vince Pat Patterson creates the Royal Rumble in a year, like two years. Oh yeah, this is like Pat Patterson goes on an absolute streak. Yeah, Pat Patterson's one of the best wrestling bookers of all time and wrestling people of all time that no one's really ever well, given credit that's for. Because that. of some of the allegations, let's be honest. There's some stuff that's been said about Pat Patterson, which we will get to. That is real Dylan's dark web folder. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It's a lot of John's mind, basically. But... Way to steal my joke, Dylan. You fuck. You joke stealer. Nice. Dylan Mencia, I say. Ooh, the twisted mind of John Hastings. Yeah. Sometimes that might mean a heel wrestler, and sometimes it means luring kids. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I don't have a... I don't... I can't afford a car, so just get on this bus. <laughs> That's something that Dylan says to all women. Yeah? Yeah, the bang bus. Nice. <laughs> Yo. Yo, the Bang Bus is actually a documentary, man. It's about me. <laughs> I'm the driver and all the women. I'm Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and other women. I just jack off in the back of a bus. Mm. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell yeah. you. I have a flatbed bus. I drive around and I beat off in the back of there. Anyway. Uh, I'm Dylan. Sex doesn't turn me on, but rudeness towards stranger does. Mm-hmm. Let's drive them somewhere and just leave them. Ha ha. That's the part I like. The other part I don't like. Mm. Remain clothed. Remain clothed. I'm just going to drive you out of the way. As Dylan says many times to his wife, no, 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 no. Remain clothed. Skin is dirty. <laughs> he says that while just slowly sponging his skin. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dylan. Uh, April 7th, 1986. What happens? WrestleMania 2. What day of the week is that? It's a Monday, baby. It's WrestleMania 2. <laughs> Isn't that... Of course it's... Why? Yeah, I don't know. It's Vince. Why do it in three fucking places, for fuck's sake? Like, 
with four matches in each place and then the closed circuit. Four matches in Because he was like, fuck it. They didn't know the technology worked until they did it. Do you understand that it was literally like, That's crazy. can we do this? Uh, theoretically, you can, because it's essentially what they had to do was hard edit. between. So it's like the feed is coming from this place, this place, and this place. And these are the times we can switch over. We can switch over at exactly this time, exactly this time, and exactly this time. So if we are late, fuck you. If we are early, fuck you. They, they go bananas with celebrities. Ozzy Osbourne does commentary in LA and is on full cocaine. Um, oh yeah. Tommy Lee is in the uh, is in the crowd and apparently got very upset at his fiance at the time because she was talking during the wrestling matches and wouldn't let him appreciate it. So much so later on in the limo, she calls his mama cunt and he knocks her fucking teeth out. Motley Jesus fucking Christ. Motley crew. Motley, that was not in the dirt. That is not in the dirt movie it is in the dirt book which really shows the yeah. fucking monsters that motley crew are oh i'm tommy lee the time i hit pime anderson was an isolated incident unless you read the actual book i wrote and then you're like oh no you have some real issues with rage and women don't you tommy no i'm a cool sewer for bro in other news don't step out of line if you pee sitting down or tommy's gonna fucking go dylan when a buffet manager tells him Four plates are enough, Mister God. <laughs> the that's the thing about uh, Motley Crue, though. Not uh, Motley Crue. I mean, every Hollywood movie is they always they always leave out the part where the guy went buck wild on all his wives. <laughs> yeah. What's also interesting is they never leave that out in the book they wrote. In the book, they're always like, uh, "Yeah, I always." And then I just bought a boxing glove and hang it hung it in the kitchen so my goddamn wife knew that if they if she blanched as opposed to grilled the mushrooms again she <laughs> knew what would happen i you know there had Jimmy to be Stewart. one movie where it's like all right we want to do a movie about oj and here's what i'm thinking nicole doesn't die what do you think um you do know the very fun uh, speaking of ozzy osbourne who was in attendance at wrestlemania 2 uh there was a fun conspiracy theory that cocaine uh, dealers did kill uh, Nicole Brown Simpson and OJ because they were dealing cocaine for some Colombians and uh, their main clients were Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne and they stopped doing cocaine and so their profits dropped so drastically the Colombians killed them. I love that. Is, that is right up there with the COVID stuff. I, that's good. I gotta tell you, it's right up there with the COVID stuff but it's so good that it's like, oh, and uh, it's because Ozzy was doing so much cocaine that when he stopped, it resulted in the murder of two people. <laughs> so we got to talk about WrestleMania 2. They try and go back to the well with uh, Mr. T and Roddy Piper. Mr. T's celebrity has dipped during that year, of course. So he's not even... What's weird is his celebrity has dipped in that year, but wrestling's prominence has risen in that year. So it's sort of like this weird thing of it's like, we'll give you another payoff. You deserve it. Oh, by the way... Uh, you're going to have to, for some reason, do a boxing match with Roddy Piper. Uh, and Roddy Piper is genuinely going to try and kill you. Cool? Cool. Yes, but this is the, this is all building towards WrestleMania 3, which is the apex of Vince McMahon, which is mm -hmm. we have celebrities there and they're ancillary. They're not in the main event because the big draw of this was the William Refrigerator Perry in the Battle Royal, essentially, because the Fridge, much like Mr. T, was this fl flash in the plan celebrity for this one year. They get him, give him a bunch of money, and that's the big draw. And the the really the the part that gets all the mainstream attention is the Fridge and that weird fucking Battle yeah, Royal. Yeah, football players versus wrestlers Battle Royal that's won by yeah. Andre the Giant in the tightest fucking uh, trunks I've ever seen in my like. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can see the veins of his dick. Nice. You can see his little hoggy. Mm, squeal like a pig. Go ahead. So three cities, Rosemont Horizon and Chicago. Boom. Obviously, the first act was held in the Nassau Coliseum in Long Island, New York, baby. And then the, the third one was? Los Angeles in the forum, Hulk Hogan, Booyah. King Bundy. Now, let's just quickly talk about, so main event of Roddy Piper was Mr. T in the boxing match. Roddy Piper wanted to genuinely beat up Mr. T. So they taped his fists inside his gloves. So his punches weren't nearly as strong, which I don't understand how that works, but go ahead. Um, part two was of course the beautiful battle Royal that Dylan loves. 
the attendance was super fucking poor. It was only 9,000 people, which was half of the previous house show the WWF had drawn there, uh, which is weird because of William Refrigerator Perry. Um, um, Bruno San Martino, by the way, was in that match as opposed to appearing in Long Island where he would have gotten a much bigger fucking reaction. And then it was the Memorial Sports Arena in Los Angeles where a uh, capacity crowd of 14,500 fans watched Hulk Hogan battle King Kong Bundy in the first use of the big blue steel cage. Um, rumor has it that Jimmy Snuka was considered uh, for the position of King Kong Bundy, uh, but he killed a woman at this point and had been fired for attempting to carry cocaine across the borders in the Middle East, something the WWF was able to get him out of, but they still had to fire him. So for those of you keeping track at home, kill your girlfriend, that's cool. Smuggle drugs in a heavily religious uh, nation. We'll get you out of jail, but you can't work here. He killed his girlfriend in their early 80s before wrestling was like he didn't kill nancy argentino in the mid 80s if he would have killed her in the mid 80s oh boy (laughs) yeah like actually justice may have been served because you can't you can you can kill people when you're doing like cigarette filled arenas and fucking you run an msg every so often but when you're fucking running everywhere and you're the head of your company not the head of your company your big stars on sports illustrated uh you can't ditch that body real easy, can you? Boo, 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 boom. Um, also, Bobby Heenan, who appeared in the main event with King Kong Bundy, had been hospitalized the night before because it was discovered he had two fractured vertebrae. Yeah, this is, in this his... is the fucking no-touch Heenan shit now. Yeah, he had two fractured vertebrae in his fucking neck, um, and he uh, but had to appear at the main event. And this was nothing to do with work ethic. If he hadn't, he would have... Technically no-showed and would have been fired. Vince McMahon, you are history's greatest monster. Oh, what's that? Booyah! You have two of the things that make it so you can move your body are broken? Well, guess fucking what? You better show up with this fat, hairless guy or you're fucking fired, Bobby. You're fucking fired. (laughs) Oh, and by the way, later on when you don't have a fucking mouth, I will not give you money. (laughs) So I only respect the people that disrespect me, Bobby. You respect me. Who closes the door when they're shitting? A real man would make me watch, Bobby. A real man would make me watch. <laughs> Let me watch you, Bobby. Let me watch your body change. I want you to wa- I want to watch you make a tale like Bill Watts used to make Ice King Parsons do. Iceman King Parsons. No, Ice King Parsons. He was the guy from Game of Thrones where he was a lot uh, he was a lot cooler, let me say that, the original drawing of the Ice King in the books. You know, in the books, uh, Ice King Parsons comes out and he just fucking <laughs> does a bunch of blow and then he fucks the princess or whatever her name I was. I mean, you just trying to figure out what Game of Thrones <laughs> was about is fucking mind melting. Um, so, a uh, couple of quick things to cover. So, WrestleMania 2, massive success even though attendance at two of the buildings was not sold out because Vince, again, was going into new places. Chicago was still kind of an AWA territory and Los Angeles was very much the Guerreros and the various other territories um, that it held, uh, the various other promoters had held it then. That said, it's still established. He still had revenue from other markets such as in the new pay-per-view market he sold 100,000 fucking um, pay-per-views, which for a market that had just been created, it was basically like someone else invented shoes and then Vince came in and was like, check out these Air Jordans. And they're like, those look gross. And then he sold a fuckload of them. Um, yeah, it's it's basically the thing where like every wrestling historian will say WrestleMania 2 sucked, but they're critics and uh, everyone else liked it. Yeah. It was just more Hulk... It was more Hulk Hogan. And even think about it. If you had watched WrestleMania 1 and then not watched wrestling, really, or just ancillary, like, aware of it, and then you saw WrestleMania 2, it makes total sense. Because the guy who won in what they're saying is nine seconds last time is now facing Hulk Hogan. That makes sense. You know what I mean? It's very easy to, oh, okay, this is the next big guy. And Roddy Piper is fighting Mr. T, uh, which makes sense, obviously, because they fought last time and there wasn't real... There wasn't any real, you know, and Roddy Piper also gets the thing where Mr. T wins, but obviously he gets away because in the end he does more damage to Mr. T. Yeah, he body slams Mr. T during a boxing match 
again, why they, they and of course they didn't have a traditional wrestling match because they weren't confident that Mr. T could wrestle, and also um, Roddy would only would have allowed him to do Greco-Roman holds and wrestling holds. You could quote unquote learn quickly if Mr. T had come in and tried to professionally wrestle him. Uh, Roddy Piper, I assume, would have just taken out a knife and new jacked Mr. T. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand the whole Piper fucking Mr. T thing. I think part of it might have been a work just to be like, <laughs> just because Piper was kind of always working. So it's like, well, you never know. Maybe there'll be another match for me and Mr. T. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. Oh, sure, he's got dementia and I've been dead for four years, but you still got to think about it, bud. <laughs> this whole dying thing's just a little bit of a, just a little bit of kayfabe. So when I come back, I got a real big payday with Hogan there. Two things you got to remember about old Roddy Piper. One, I like to make my wife cry. And two, I want to make sure everyone knows I'm still working. No, I'm not coming home. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get this angle over. Otherwise, me and Hogan can't sell out the Spectrum. Yeah, you gotta remember Hogan's in all the papers because he keeps calling the whatchamacallits what I like to call him. And then he also had sex with someone else's wife, which I'm not allowed to do anymore thanks to you figuring out how email works, kitty. All right, time to fake my death, or maybe it's real. You'll never fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Piper's Pits... Piper's pit continues. Pi- Roddy Piper turns face on uh, the Adrian Adon with the flower shop. He turns face, and uh, let me tell you this: here's how he turns face. He beats up an effeminate man, which is basically it was like, yeah, he's racist, which is bad, but he hates effeminate guys as much as <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, welcome to wrestling. He's good now. How do we make that bad guy a good guy? All right, we needed someone to be a man in a dress. Oh, I can't. Too busy vomiting up because I'm a, a 1980s <laughs> wrestling produce promoter. I can't. I can't even hear something so crazy, um, which is so funny because it's like so. Like one of the guys who legitimized their entire yeah, Jim Barnett. The entire idea of wrestling was Liberace, and the guy who gets them all their TV deals. Jim Barnett. Is, and then they're like, yeah, but all our characters are like. Oh, what? You care about interior decoration? Hulk Hogan's going to shoot you with a real gun? You're actually going to die. Let me say this right now. If you know the lyrics to any song, that shows weakness. (laughs) Singing is bad. Dancing is bad. Loud colors are bad. (laughs) Only wear dirty boots. And if you've ever cut your hair, it better be with a straight razor, buddy. And you better have done it in the woods. If you drink water... You know what that means. If you drink, these are the two beverages of a man. Coffee, black in the morning. Uh, what are you doing there? Oh, I'm just having a little quick look in the mirror. Okay, here's a poison pill. You eat that or I'm going to pull this trigger. Bear in mind, Vince McMahon literally presided over a, a company that could be called If We Weaponized Homophobia. <laughs> the, the, the two most significant people in that company are Pat Patterson and Jim Barnett, two gay men that had to, I assume, sit in a meeting while Vince would fart and then go, are you turned on because you can smell my asshole? And then they both just... <laughs> <laughs> like, do you understand how fucking... Like, why did, it, why did it take Pat Patterson until Legends House to come out? Because his entire employment history was working for his natural nemesis. But I mean, this is Vince McMahon, and this is the funny part about Vince McMahon. This is when it officially, uh, alt basically is what we've said on this uh, podcast before, alt-right theater goes mainstream, yeah. essentially. But this is the thing about Vince McMahon, is he literally is a libertarian, so he, I'm assuming, doesn't care. He doesn't believe in God, clearly. He is like, Vince McMahon at this point, solidifies the fact that he is going to use evangelical Christianity obviously to his advantage with Hulk Hogan's entire character. Yeah, the demandments. But he is not an evangelical Christian. He is a new wave. Only in the last, like, five years has the type of conservative that Vince McMahon is really been well represented in the media of, like, Oh, no, I think I'm better genetically than everyone else. But I also think when you die, you die. And that's why I've hired all these young guys to give me their blood. Yeah, here's the thing you got to remember about me. I hate the world, so I created my own. And any interference from a world <laughs> I can't control is bad. <laughs> so 
1986 in September, Titan's offices are moved from Greenwich, Connecticut to Stanford. They have 70 full-time employees. They make their first deal with Fox in L.A. It places uh, a previous deal they had. And, oh, sorry. Um, and they've just started the Steamboat and Savage feud that will obviously pay off in WrestleMania 3. Basically, 1985 and 1986 are huge years for the WWF. This is basically the... Uh, this is the beginning. This is the this is Vince McMahon at his most successful. This is Vince McMahon at his most listening to everyone. This is Vince McMahon at his best. We will see this type of Vince McMahon again in the Attitude Era very briefly. But as you'll see moving forward, this is this is Vince McMahon not learning the lessons of this time period. Which is this is why Vince is so good at this time and he's so successful. Get the people that are good at the specific things you want to be good at. Get them to do it. Manage them and get out of their way. And he, you will see where it falters when he does not do that. Also, Bruce Pritchard joins soon. When he just focuses on promoting, he's really amazing. But like you said. fucking tacular When he's coming in and being like, I should appear on Triple H's 25th anniversary and use the word Padre for no reason and appear as confused as Glenn Campbell during that tour he did with Dementia, bad news. Yeah, he's uh, Vince McMahon. We are in May and we will be doing this. uh, Basically, it's the history of it's more like the history of wrestling than the history of Vince McMahon. But we'll be doing this on Vince McMahon. And I genuinely believe that it's going to get real fucking that this last episode, even just about 2020, is going to be real fucking crazy. I I wouldn't be surprised if Vince McMahon dies in this year. I won't. I would be. I would be surprised if he doesn't have a bunch of COVID in needles and he's going to give it to people who don't let him run in their town. That is, I got it. I got news for you, Dylan. Far more likely than what I said. Looks like everyone in Poughkeepsie has COVID now, yeah. and not the type, or you can't, not the type with the four percent death rate. I'll tell you that. Mm, looks like I gave uh, all members of the Midnight Express, except for Jim Cornette, COVID, so that only the new Midnight Express is living, and they'll go in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, Dylan, what was the best thing about Vince McMahon in this time period? And don't say his homophobia. I know you want to say his homophobia. I like he said is just that he is listening to people. Probably his willingness to listen to Dick, Dick Ebersol as the most successful person that he's ever worked with to this point. No, you shouldn't say most successful person that he's worked with to this point. But he certainly learned a lot from Dick Ebersol, and he, you won't see him really learning from someone this way for years to Correct. come. Correct, like a complete overhaul of the way he presents his company. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that that's that's it for me. What's yours? Is it that he uh, no that he not fired Snooker rather than submitted him to the authorities? It's not that. No, it is not. Um, my best thing would be um, WrestleMania two works. Do you understand how crazy it is WrestleMania two working? In that he essentially just he said a thing that was almost impossible and then did it and. No one is impressed by it. I love that so much that he basically lied. And I think it was, I watched it as a kid and I loved it because it was different. Like it was like every, at this point, every single wrestling match is pretty much the same match. Like everyone does the same things in the ring. Barry Windham is a better wrestler than George the Animal Steel. Yes. But this they're doing the same shit. Just like people do the same shit now, they were doing the same shit back then. And having that venue change was great. Absolutely. I have to pee more than I've ever peed in my entire life, so I'm going to tell you my worst of. Uh, worst of is uh, uh, Jimmy Snuka. Does not, the, finally fires Jimmy Snuka because of a drug charge and not the murder he definitely knew about. Also, Miss Elizabeth is hired, and that you know is an event that could be completely traced to her eventually being murdered by pills in the 90s with Lex Luger. Go ahead. Although, <laughs> the worst thing about this is it's the uh, the continual trend of women being murdered by wrestling. That's the worst thing about this episode. Cool. I think the worst thing is probably that Vince starts doing cocaine. That's bad I for mean, him. That's true. That's also true. May have one thing to do with my worst of. I mean, people say he started doing cocaine during this time. Uh, because he, he was like, he saw, he saw everyone uh, at Saturday Night Live do it. And he was like, that's who I am. Yeah. Now. He, he saw something to compete over and he decided to compete. 
thanks very much for listening, everybody. Um, we'll tune in next week. We'll, of course, be talking about 1987, and, and that is WrestleMania 3. If you liked our podcast and this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, join us on Instagram, at Wrestler Review, Twitter, at Wrestler Review, Facebook, The Wrestler Review Podcast. For more updates on our Instagram lives that we will be doing Tuesday and Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 8 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, noon Pacific. Thanks so much for listening, guys, and uh, have a great week. Stay inside, stay safe, and try not to go insane.